November 23rd, 2023. Happy Thanksgiving. You are in the arena. Joining us in the arena today, Representative Corey Mills from Florida, the great Frank Siller, the CEO of Tunnel to Towers organization, and a number of veterans and inspirational stories for your Thanksgiving special of In the Arena. In the Arena is the show where we take you inside of the arena. We show you who is throwing punches in politics, who's fighting, who's fighting for you. If you're enjoying Thanksgiving today with your family, somebody did fight for you. Millions of American soldiers fought and died for you, actually. Millions of men and women have died in the line of service for this country. And so we are thankful to them. But is our government thankful to them? Or is our government charging them, not just in the inflation that they're going to pay for their Thanksgiving turkey and their mashed potatoes this Thanksgiving, but charging them for gear that they left in Afghanistan? Check this out from Libs of TikTok. This is a TikTok that was put up by a soldier named Brock, who is a member of the Army's 82nd Airborne Division. He completed roughly four years of active service duty. He was stationed in Afghanistan when Joe Biden decided to withdraw from Afghanistan. You recall that we left all of our gear there. Now, any military member will tell you if, in fact, you need to leave gear somewhere, you destroy it, right? You destroy that gear so that the enemy can't use it. Biden administration didn't do that. That alone had service members screaming from the rooftops, as you can see video of the Taliban rolling around Kabul, wearing all of our gear. Some of our gear was used in terrorist attacks in Israel. That's fact. Whether it came from Ukraine or Afghanistan, we don't know exactly. But what we do know is that this clip is gonna make you scream even more. Apparently this soldier, Brock from the 82nd Airborne Division, has been charged nearly $4,000 for the gear that he was ordered to leave. Happy Thanksgiving, Brock. Check it out. It's time to get out of the army and they just want to, they want to charge you for, for that. Meanwhile, we can continue to give millions of dollars to the Taliban. We can give billions of dollars to Ukraine. We can give billions of dollars to student debt relief. We can give a bunch of stupid stimulus checks. We can cut those to the American people. But we can't cover $500 to $1,000 for a dude that left gear in Afghanistan. For a dude that left gear in a place that you put me to begin with. The government is so stinking backwards right now, man. This administration's last priority is the American people. Dude. That's heartbreaking. And we're not trying to give you a downer on Thanksgiving, obviously, right? But it is important to see the state of the military. Soldier blasts Biden for getting charged for gear he left in Afghanistan. How much was he charged? Does he have any proof of this? Hmm. He says he was charged $3,561.26. And he brought the receipts. You can see here in a separate post that he has shown you the bill that Joe Biden sent him for the gear he didn't bring back. We say, God bless you, Brock. We are deeply sorry that this is happening to you. And we're deeply sorry for all of the oppression that our government has foisted upon our, our members of our military. Here on your screen, you can see the brand new advertising policy for the US Army. No COVID vaccine required. Don't you worry about it. No more forced injections here. 
after 33,000 soldier recruitment deficit, they've realized that treating people like slaves, saying they have no bodily autonomy and you must take our experimental injections isn't the best way to get people to sign up. And for those members who rejected the injections, well, now the army is sending out mewling, bitching letters, begging people to come back, saying that their dishonorable discharge, well, could be reversed. If you just please, pretty please come back to the military that hates you. And we know that the military hates these people. Hey, they, they hate us. You can see that in their advertising. In their advertising, they'll highlight literally anything other than, well, white dudes that make up the vast majority of the military. This is what a advertisement looks like for the United States Army today, or, or at least it used to. You'll notice something shockingly missing from this little group, The Calling. Yeah. What's missing is your run-of-the-mill fighting force American male. But you see something changed over the last two years. Joe Biden got us a lot closer to World War III, and the Army just dropped brand new recruitment advertisement. Looks like this. See if you can spot the difference. Hmm, interesting. Straight white dude jumping out of a plane with a parachute. What does that tell you? It tells you that this is a military with a massive identity crisis. And that this is a military that's no longer thankful for the people that serve in it, that no longer respects or honors the sacrifice of the people that built this military and wants to use them as political props and pin cushions for their own agendas. We're proud to say that you shouldn't serve in a military that hates you. You shouldn't serve people who hate you. And they're not. CNN is reporting that only 43 people out of the nearly 10,000 discharged for refusing the COVID injection, the experimental COVID injections, uh, have returned to the military. Not great numbers. Not, not really smart. And now there's a multi-billion dollar lawsuit for back pay from people who were, of course, wrongfully fired from the military because they weren't slaves. Again, if somebody can tell you what you can and cannot inject into your body, you are a slave. If somebody can tell you what you can and cannot believe or think, say, you're a slave. And I thought that the United States military was supposed to protect against that. Didn't we fight a civil war? Veterans, monuments, right? Civil war, wasn't that something we fought against? We have a constitutional republic here? It's kind of antithetical to the military. People who actually believe in the core tenets of America, they still sign up for the United States military. Here's a map of the states with the highest enlistment in America. And you can see it, a trend. Green, of course, means higher enlistment. Yellow is middle of the road. Red is bottom. Man, you got uh, Washington, D.C., naturally. <laughs> bottom five. New York, Massachusetts, all dark blue states. North Dakota, that's probably just because of a lack of people generally living in North Dakota. More cows than people live in North Dakota. Did you know that? North Dakota did, though, follow a trend that a lot of these other heavy military recruitment states followed, which is they voted red in the 2020 and 2016 elections. So if you sort of superimpose those maps on each other, you'll find that the uh, most conservative, patriotic parts of the country obviously are the parts of the country that give us our men and women 
uh, who keep this nation alive. And we should be thankful for that. Donald Trump's thankful for that. Donald Trump spent Thanksgiving serving our troops on the border, our men and women on the border who try their hardest to protect us every single day in spite of the fact that Joe Biden backstabs them and backstabs their mission by opening our borders to terrorists, insurgents, and criminals, international criminals. Donald Trump served these men and women hot heaping plates of turkey, salty turkey and mashed potatoes. And of course, took lots of photos. We didn't see this really covered anywhere else, but it really does lend us uh, an important message, which is that there is something worth fighting for. And that a lot of these people who are serving us on Thanksgiving, um, well, they they require that we protect and defend them here domestically. And look at what horrors can be wrought upon these fine young men. You can be charged for gear you left in Afghanistan. You can have your entire career ruined because you won't take an experimental jab just because Joe Biden needs some extra political points, some extra shots in arms. Yeah. And so now there are no arms. There is no call to arms anymore. 33,000 person recruiting deficit for the United States military. We think that's awful. And that's something that needs to change if we're going to continue as a country. So we're going to spend the rest of the show focused on positive elements of the military, positive elements of those who serve our nation, and most importantly, serving the people who are their families, providing for them the most important thing you can give to a family. And a lot of these guys who sign up, they have wives, they have kids. What's the most expensive purchase you'll ever make in your life? Well, getting married. I mean, you know, a wife, but secondarily a house. A lot of people can't afford housing these days, but there's one special community here in Florida that provides housing to military members and the families of first responders, and they do it for free. It's a very, very special place. And it's a place that we visited this week for the show. Check it out. Welcome to the most inspirational neighborhood in America. This is the Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. Now, it might look like any other quintessential neighborhood in America. Well-built houses, green grass, blue sky, trees, birds, and a little community center for the kiddos to play at. But what you might not see on first glance is that this neighborhood and the inhabitants of these homes are exclusively Gold Star families, wounded veterans, and first responders. And every home here is free, free to those families for their service to our country. This neighborhood is made possible by the Tunnels to Tower Foundation, who ran an infomercial on Fox News about it. We said, wow, that's only a few minutes away from where we broadcast our show. So we decided to go and see the Let Us Do Good Village for ourselves. Let me tell you what, it didn't disappoint. The Let Us Do Good Village is located 22 miles north of Tampa Bay, where we broadcast our show. This community is built exclusively for wounded veterans, first responders, and Gold Star families. It's 60 acres of land that will house just under 100 families when completed. The project broke ground on December 11th, 2021, and just one year later, they welcomed their first family into the community, Danielle Fortin, surviving spouse of Army Specialist Robert Thornton Jr. 
and their two children, Jaden and Kinsley. We toured the Do Good Village with Jenny Williams, the spouse of a firefighter who tragically died from a service-connected cancer. Jenny will be receiving a mortgage-free house inside of the Do Good Village in order to raise her children. Jenny's house is still currently under construction and is slated to be finished this year. She's obviously very excited to move in with her children. This home is a dream come true and a prayer answered for Jenny. This is the dining room area. And this is the kitchen. This is my bedroom. And then the master bathroom. Welcome to my home. <laughs> Many people are getting prayers answered in this community, which continues to inspire. We joined the Tunnels to Tower on a 5K run and festival that they had sponsored that weekend in Brooksville, Florida. This bus travels to all 50 states to educate people about the terrorist attacks that day. Inside are actual pieces of steel from the towers, uniforms from first responders, personal artifacts found in the rubble, and a bronze statue of firefighters waving a flag with the names of 343 firefighters who lost their lives that day. The 5K run was great and clearly inspiring for those inside of the village and out. It raised more than $70,000 for the foundation at the event. And afterward, we were able to attend a ribbon cutting for Captain David Christopher in Odessa, Florida. David Christopher spent 26 years in the United States Army until the day a tragic accident caused him to be paralyzed from the waist down. David Christopher is now wheelchair bound and has certain needs in a home. And that home has now been paid off by Tunnels to Towers. After the ribbon cutting ceremony, we toured Captain Christopher's house where he showed us the smart technology in his home and lifts installed by Tunnels to Tower and their partners to make his life as a disabled veteran easier. Lighting that can control from here, turn them on, off the air conditioning. Unit makes everything, everything's like really touch screen for like the lighting. It's really quick and easy and I can control it all from my cell phone. The front doors and the garage doors are all controlled by like an automatic door opener at the top. So I have like a little button here on the side. I just push it, it opens up for me so I can easily just roll right out. This rack system that lowers down using my cell phone and it'll raise up to the ceiling so it helps to clear out any kind of areas and just kind of puts everything out of the way and makes it easier for me to instead of trying to load it all on top of a shelf in the end the let us do good village certainly lived up to its name an inspiring place that shows the very best of america and that is something to be thankful for <laughs>
what an incredible organization you run, Tunnels to Towers. Uh, and it's it's such an important organization because right now housing seems unaffordable for so many Americans, but especially veterans, wounded veterans, and first responders. Uh, what a gift! What a what a precious gift to give to someone, especially in the holiday season. Well, yes, and happy Thanksgiving first and foremost. Yes. And uh, so, look, we we uh, we know the biggest expense that any family has is their mortgage, okay. you know, is their home. And when these great heroes make the ultimate sacrifice, die in the line of duty and leave behind, behind a young family, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has made a promise that we're going to take care of every first responder in America who dies in the line of duty that leaves a young family behind. And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, today kicks off our season of hope where we're giving a, a mortgage-free home out every day between now and the end of the year. Um, to give some hope and peace and, and security back to these families that the loved ones made the ultimate sacrifice uh, for, for, for us. So we're, we're very proud of the work we're doing. Uh, we do it from the generosity of, of Americans. So, you know, in the fire department, my brother was a New York City firefighter who gave his life up on September 11, 2001, where he ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel to the towers uh, with 60 pounds of gear on his back. And that's why we are the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. But in the fire department, there's a saying, and I'm sure it's in many, you know, most certainly military, et cetera, that many hands makes light work. And we count on the many Americans that donate $11 a month, go to t2t.org, uh, you know, be thankful for what we have as Americans because we have people willing to die for us and all too often do. And, uh, you know, $11 a month changed these families' lives uh, forever. You know, we made a promise. Tunnel to Towers made a promise that we're going to take care of every one of them. But so every American should make that a promise along with us to take care of these uh, families. And that's what $11 a month can do. So you're, uh, I just want to go back. This is a, a home every single day? Every single day from now to the end of the year. We just did 50 days on veteran, uh, 50 homes on, uh, on Veterans Day. Uh, 20 different, 26 different states we gave to our great heroes. Um, one of the reasons why we did it, uh, 50 homes on Veterans Day, because we also, that same day, we rolled out uh, our uh, comprehensive uh, program that we're doing for homeless veterans. We're going to eradicate homelessness amongst our veterans. And uh, I was, uh, Dennis Quaid, Andy Pettit, and others joined me on the rollout. We actually did it in Houston, Texas, where I... I 161 room uh, hotel, we made them into 161 apartments for our homeless veterans, some transitional, some permanent. And we want some transitional because we want those who were able to get back into the workforce to get back into the work workforce. So that is the next thing that we're doing is eradicate homelessness amongst the veterans. But inside this, wow. this, this village, because in this, in this Houston village for these veterans where, where they were homeless, but not homeless anymore, uh, listen to the services that we have on the first floor, employment assistance, job training, benefit assistance, education assistance. Many of them, you know, were in school and left to join up and they and they're so close to getting a degree that would help them in the workforce. We make sure they go back out there and get that degree. Financial budget management, legal uh, advocacy, medical care access. A lot of them don't even know, you know, what they're what they could get, you know, from the uh, VA centers. And we a lot of these properties that we're buying are being gifted to us or close to VA centers, mental health support, of course, PTSD, 
counseling and of course addiction treatment counseling uh, get them into um, you know the rehab that they need to get in there so they could change their lives so you just can't put a roof over their heads you got to make sure they get all these other services so they can assimilate back into society yes and my wife worked for the paralyzed veterans of america and that was the biggest complaint with the va and i know there's a lot of complaints with the va but that it, it doesn't actually get to the root of the problem where so many of our armed service members uh, come back and cannot integrate back into society. Um, and so they're, they're treating the symptoms, but not really the core root of the issue. And having the structure, the stability of a home is a really great foundational starting point. And, and that's just remarkable. It's just such an uplifting, such an uplifting story. You're saying these are homeless veterans. How yeah. many are there in America? Well, the government says about 40,000. Uh, we know 40,000. We, we know there's a lot more than that. You know, we wow. know, we, we're thinking there's at least 50,000 homeless veterans. But, you know, this year alone, Tunnel to Towers Foundation quietly, because I like proving that we can do things before we talk about it. We uh, we took 3000 homeless vets off the streets into their own housing this year uh, alone. 3000. Uh, the first real full year that we uh, involved in it. But I've been planning for years. We've been planning for years. We just didn't slap this together. It's a, like I said, a comprehensive program to make sure they get all the comprehensive services that they're going to need uh, to get back in, in, into life. But yes, you start by putting a roof over their head. There's no yes. question about it. Just think, we're taking somebody that was in the street and and don't know where their next meal is coming or they don't know, you know what could happen to them in the middle of the night. And you put a roof over their heads. and But they're around other great heroes. That's the beautiful part yes. about it. They're around other people that have lived the same life, served the same life, and then, of course, had the terrible uh, situation uh, that they live on the streets. And now, and now they're not. And they're going to recover together. These guys are going to recover together. You put them in an environment, a positive environment, they respond uh, uh, tremendously. And they are responding but every single one of them, we have our own case management. We have a, mm -hmm. a national case management network throughout America. We work with a thousand different other non-for-profits that are in this field, but local, you know, local ones. Cause you know, I, you know, I, I do it on a national scale, but there's a lot of local non-for-profits out there that we can have tap on them in their community and be part of when we build these uh, villages these great heroes to come in and, and be part of it because they already know the community. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's right. And, yeah. So it, it's it, it's a great uh, synergy that we have with all these other great uh, non-for-profits, but most certainly we're proud to tunnel the towers and, and, the, and the work we're doing. I just got yesterday, just got noticed that the hotel that we have in Atlanta, Georgia, just got rezoned that we could do this again in, in Atlanta, Georgia, but we're doing it in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, you should know that. Uh, we have uh, we, we have one in Detroit. We have in uh, Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C., um, many of them down south and in Texas uh, for sure. And, and California, we have three different locations going at one time. So we're, we're, we're really involved in this. And we when we say we, meaning Tunnel to Towers Foundation, that we're going to eradicate homelessness amongst our veterans, veterans we're going to do it. And what better day to talk about it than on Thanksgiving? Yes. When everybody's with their own families, right? And your air, you know, you here we are, Thanksgiving Day, and we need to make sure that these families. How about 
these families, instead of going out and spending so much money on Christmas, or I don't care what you spend on Christmas, but make sure that your family and your kids start teaching them about what $11 a month can do for another family, start teaching them to do for others. The only way, you know, Andy Pettit uh, did a beautiful uh, PSA for us, a commercial uh, that's aired on Fox all the time. And he said, when you restore somebody else, you restore yourself. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the truth? So you teach your kids, get out of yourself, help somebody else. And, and in turn, you, you're growing as a person and you're really, uh, uh, your soul is glorified. You, you just raise yourself when you help others. And who should we help first? Those that protect us, those that give us security here in, in America, that give us the life that we have. And, you know, I think that's what we should be teaching on Thanksgiving and up until, well, forever. Yes, Frank. God bless you for actually taking that mission to heart, unlike our federal government, which every, you know, you're in New York, you're living in a sanctuary city. Uh, A lot of the complaints that I see on social media and with with our audience and on our show is, how are you taking care of people that aren't even Americans and you're providing shelter, housing, food for them, yet you have, you said 50,000? Oh, homeless perfect. veterans where the where the hell's our government frank well, listen here's the thing and i and i'm going to give credit where credit is due so the va system when we get these great heroes they have a voucher system which supports these locations so they every one of these homeless veterans get x amount of dollars per month to make sure that they sustain wherever we put them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in, in throughout throughout America, but most certainly in our, in our villages, um, it, it, it's an important part of it. So the government does do some things. They do have the VA system, albeit it's 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 you know when you have something that big, it doesn't move like you or I can move. You know, I'm yes. very nimble. You know, I see a problem. I okay, let's go take care of it. That's I don't right. have to pull up. I don't have to go through how much bureaucracy. You know, go down here, and then someone down here is not here for a month, and and you know, and and it's it sits there. No, we 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 act uh, yes. immediately, and I'll prove it to you on just one case. You know, just you know, about a little over a week ago. You know, the the helicopter crash went down the Mediterranean. Mm. Um, we lost five great heroes. One one of those uh, great heroes. Uh, Chief Warrant Officer Stephen Dwyer, um, his his mother and father both went to um, West Point. His father's a, a colonel and his mother's a lieutenant colonel. Uh, and this guy was a his title was, like I said, Chief Warrant Officer. And um, and he gives his life. He gives his life for for our country. He leaves behind a wife and three kids mm-hmm. within. I, I was contacted by several different people that actually knew knew this family because they know Tunnel to Towers and what we do. And they said, are we going to be able, and I love it when they say we, because they're probably $11 a month donor or maybe more. And they said, are we going to be able to help this family? And I said to him, I already spoke to his father. Uh, I actually cried with his father on, on, on the phone talking about his great hero son. And, um, and uh, you know, and so his widow now, his widow, knows that we're going to pay off their mortgage so that their mm. three kids can stay in their home, that they were making their dreams in before this horrific a- accident and, and uh, tragedy happened where he gave his life up for our country. So we, when I say we, when we hear about something, a police officer shot somewhere or a firefighter falling through a building, through a roof and giving his life, which just happened, um, one in Boston, the other one in, in, in Texas, 
um, you know, we react immediately and we let the families know within days that, all right, they might not remember the whole conversation <laughs> because when you're in that surreal place, like I can't believe my husband's gone or my wife is gone, um, they don't, you know, comprehend everything. But the one thing they comprehend is I don't have to worry about my mortgage anymore. I'm never going to have to worry about my mortgage because there's an organization out there because of great Americans willing to join us are going to take care of their, of their, of their mortgage. And uh, so we let them know right away. So that gives them some, so they don't worry about one less thing to worry about with everything else uh, going on, but it's a big worry uh, on where they're going to live. What, what an incredible blessing. We were able to witness it firsthand uh, and see a firefighter's family, a widow of a firefighter who you built a home for here, right outside of Tampa. Uh, and you have an entire community. It's an entire, it's an entire community built for first responders and for veterans. And it's one of the most beautiful things we've ever seen. And we've never seen smiles like this. We've never seen happier people. And you're right. There's something about that community. It is Thanksgiving yeah. and having people that speak your language, that that know your vibe, that maybe even know your suffering and your pain. It's spiritual. It gets down to the core of who you are. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. Florida, uh, it seems like you're doing a lot of work in Florida. You just mentioned Bradenton. It's a lot of veterans in this state. Yeah, uh, so, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said spiritual. It is so spiritual, this village, the Let Us Do Good Village. We call it Let Us Do Good, good, Let Us Do good Village because uh, my family, my mother and father were Franciscans. And St. Francis said, brothers and sisters, while we have time, let us do good. So we, mm -hmm. all, the whole foundation is designed on about doing good for others. Instead mm -hmm. of Instead of giving into, you know, to all the sadness, which there is, you lose your loved one. And so how sad is that? You know, I lost my brother, it broke me and, you know, it broke my heart. But, you know, at the same time, let's take that sadness. But more importantly, let's defeat evil with goodness. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that is by doing what we're doing. So this village, it's going to be 93 homes, beautiful rec center. It's going to be uh, so think of all these families that are going to be living there. Right. So these are this is not a homeless uh, village. This is. Uh, this is for our great heroes that gave their lives in the line of duty or catastrophically injured. Think of the love stories that are going to be there with these all these kids that are going there. And they know. So the 10 year old kid over here knows this 12 year kid over there. They grow up together. They know the same pain. Mm. They know about the loss of their father or their mother. Yes. And and they and they and they heal together. And I'm guaranteed there's some love stories out of that where some of these great kids, when they grow up, will maybe become. Uh, parents uh, uh, married and have great families of, of their own. So it is, uh, uh, it is a spiritual, it is a love story. And it's uh, once again, it's, we're so proud to be able to do that. Do you see in your line of work, uh, a, uh, let me rephrase this in your line of work, you obviously see the end result right of a of a system and how veterans are treated in society what would you change about the way the government uh, is going about the treatment of veterans and specifically uh, armed service members because we've seen uh, you know time and time again uh, over the past couple of years of news cycles uh, mistreatment either uh, uh, involuntary discharges uh, for covid vaccine mandates uh, or s stories about with Afghanistan, people having breaking right now is a story where people are having to pay for the gear that the government told them to leave in Afghanistan. It seems like we need a new 
generation of military leadership that is really veteran focused and really service member focused and less managerial class focused. Your well, thoughts I on say, this? I, I would say this. I think if more people in government served had served their country, a lot less of this would 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 happen. Yes. I stay I stay apolitical. Yes. I want you to know, even though I'm from Staten Island, which is a very conservative borough. Yeah. And um, and uh, oh yeah, should so, be its own state, Staten Island. Hundred percent could be its own country. Trust me. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, and, Sicily. Yeah, and we would build we would build some walls here, but that's besides. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to tell you right now that it is not the people who serve our country do it. They're volunteers. Just yes. think about it. They're yeah. all volunteer army. The people who end up being police officers, firefighters, you know. They fill out an application to get on the job. They want to serve these people. There are certain people in America that it, it, that they, it, they have in their veins something that other people do not, and it's and it's mm -hmm. called service. It's called service okay. for others. And uh, no matter what the situation is, they're still going to serve us because it's bigger than any uh, anybody that's above them in government. Uh, it's about the country. And that's what I love about these great heroes. So we stay in our lane, which is we're going to take care of them. We're going to take care of them uh, like they're our children, because uh, like they're our fathers, like they're our brothers or sisters, whatever it may be. We're going to take care of them. And that's what the Tunnels to Towers uh, Foundation would do. Yeah. And now, if I was a politician, I could give you 100 things I would do different. Mm -hmm. I'm not a politician. I'm not going to even go down that road because there's so many things that are wrong right now that need to be corrected. But in the meantime, we just want to take care of these great heroes that paid the ultimate yeah. sacrifice or gave their bodies for us. Yeah, maybe you should think about it. I, I, I will absolutely. I mean, obviously, we're already donors to Tunnels to Towers, my family, but I'll gladly cut you your first check when you run for governor of New York, uh, Frank. Don't, <laughs> well, don't, never, you, don't you worry about it. That's a check you're never going to cut out. But <laughs> that, being, that being said, take that check because you're going to waste it and, and make another donation to Tunnel to Towers. Final question for you. You you are with a number of obviously we we watch Fox News in this program and we uh, you know you you have a great presence there, but your presence is often uh, matched with a sports figure or a Hollywood celebrity that uh, you wouldn't normally see. Uh, do, you know, do, engaging really in activism, whether their their publicists allow it or not, right? They st they tend to stay away from these kind of things. Yet you get this major outpouring from big name celebrities and from big name ball players uh, and sports world uh, people. It's, it's it's it seems like there's something under the surface there. Uh, they're often skewered as being woke. Right or or being uh, antithetical to America, but you, but you seem to have brought out a lot of patriotism and a lot of love for veterans in this community. Can you tell me about that? Is there sort of like an undercurrent that we don't often cover here well, for people that play professional sports, people that are in movies? Well, so we do have a tremendous uh, amount of people that come to us. We don't reach out to these great. Interesting. No, if they come to us. They see the work that we're doing. So you know, Mark Wahlberg was one of the first. Uh, who lent his name and notoriety to us. You know, he's very, you know, I don't have to tell you of movies that he's been in, but he's a good guy. He's such a good guy. He's, he is truly a, a, a friend of mine. Uh, Mark does it. So who who sees it? You know, Cole Hauser. 
you know, Cole Hauser. So he actually, we're, we have the December 1st, we have a gala here in New York. And we're, uh, we're recognizing Cole for the work that he's done with us over the last, uh, you know, period, period of time that he got involved. He did a PSA for us. Rob Lowe, who we think Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe contacted us. Rob Lowe plays a firefighter, New York City firefighter, right? It, 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 you know, on TV, but, you know, that he went out to California. But um, he is... Um, incredibly uh, in touch in tune to what went on on 9-11 and the work that we're doing. And he, he said, you know, he would do a PSA. It, it, it was uh, great that, but we have Conor McGregor, you know what I mean? This guy, he, he has a um, um, proper 12 whiskey that he does and he has a company and when he, you know, sells, he gives us a portion of it of $4 million the last couple of years, $4 million. So, you know, they put their money where their mouth is and they really support us in uh, in a big way. And I said, Dennis Quaid, of course, Andy Pettit. Uh, we had David Wells, uh, Wally Joyner. Who, they, they do golf outings for us. Wally Joyner is doing five this year for us. Uh, David Wells just raised uh, 300000 plus uh, for us at a golf outing we had down in Florida, right? in, in Tampa. Um, so it, it, uh, it, that he just recently did for us and did one last year too. As a matter of fact, in that village that you said, he's paying for the whole kitchen, outside kitchen and everything in all this area. So David Wells and his wife, Nina, uh, are great, uh, are great supporters. And I have others that are coming up too real soon, uh, that contacted us that we're doing some new uh, PSAs. Um, you know, we do them pretty quickly. Uh, you know, we, I sit down, I talk to them, I ask them why they got involved. And they all say, well, we see where all your money goes. We know that 95.1% of your dollar goes to, to your programs. Uh, um, they see that I'm uncompensated. They see that, um, you know, the, uh, of course, most importantly, they see that tangible when your house is tangible, you know, they see where the money is going. It's tangible. And when we take a homeless veteran off the street now and we put them into, into their own apartment or a comfort home. I built 500 square foot comfort homes that we put on these properties for the older veterans and they're handicap accessible. Uh, most of them, um, that they can live out their lives in, in, in some kind of comfort, some kind of comfort and be around other great heroes. Um, that's why people are coming to us because they see results. I've been in business all my life. I gave up 22 years ago, basically, when I started the foundation with my siblings, everything is about results. People want to see results. I'm a, I'm a result-driven person. You know, if I work, if I coach and I'm coaching somebody, I want to see that for what we're working on, I want to see the end result. Let it be a layup or a base hit, you know, whatever it may be. People want to see results. Well, they're seeing results with Tunnel to Towers Foundation. When we say we're going to do something, we do it and we don't, and we do it in a way that I'm proud to say this, and I'm not knocking anybody else, but, but we do it in a way that nobody else has done it before. And uh, I challenge anyone else to do it with us. That's great. I'd, lo I'd, lo I'd love it because it'd be less for us to do. But we don't care about <laughs> we don't care about uh, the enormity of it. We, just, we, we are most certainly going to get it done. Uh, Frank, it does seem very poetic for you because of it, it, speaking with you here. It, it's like the the loss that you felt for your brother. Uh, has given forth so much to so many others. And many people would put would close the chapter on that story and be like, well, he lost his brother, terrible thing. He's gonna mourn forever and it's just gonna, it's gonna suck. Life's just gonna suck. And you were able to channel that. It's very spiritual, it's very beautiful. Uh, and it's the way that God works often in our lives. You were able to channel that into so much good. 
What is your message for people that are sitting down today uh, around a Thanksgiving table and saying a prayer? Uh, what is your message to them? Because you've been able to do something remarkable with the pain in your life. Well, I, I would say that um, I, when I talk to the, the many widows, and I do talk to many of them, that there's life after death. Now, mm. of course, now I'm Christian, and I think you are. You know, mm. people say that life after death, you believe in life. You know, people believe in God. There's life after death. But that's not what I'm talking about. There's life after death for the for you, for the one who lost their brother, their sister, their husband, their wife, their son, their daughter. There's life after death for them. And the only way to live life after death is to do good, to do good in memory and honor of the person you love. They don't want us to stay sad. They want us to be productive and full of life and joy and happiness, even though many days are very difficult. They don't want to stay in the bad place. And the only way to get out of that bad place is to do good for others. Mm. What a beautiful, beautiful message. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Frank. Everyone needs to go to Tunnel to Towers. Donate today. One house a day given away from now till Christmas. Is this correct? Now to the end of the year. Thank you. To, yeah, to Christmas. The end of the year. Uh, yes. What, to, what, a, what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to do. What a wonderful gift. What an incredible thing to be thankful for. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Benny. God bless. God bless you. Goodness, I love doing interviews like that. It gives you inspiration and hope that not all is lost. Frank is an American hero and a treasure. And now to the other side of Frank's work, the people who are beneficiaries of the Tunnel to Tower Foundation. Joining us now, Jenny Williams, the wife of a first responder who tragically passed away, who is a beneficiary of a brand new home being built by Tunnels to Towers. Jenny, thank you so much for being on the program. It's been such an inspirational program. You are the beneficiary of one of these homes inside of the Let Us Do Good Village in Land Lakes, Florida. Can you tell us your story? Yes, I would love to. Thank you for allowing me to. So last December 2017, Frank Sellers gifted me and my boys a house in the Do Good Village because my late husband was a firefighter in Kansas City, Missouri who passed away from two occupational cancers. And he, so he, so this is, so can you tell us that story? He was a firefighter that was in the in the line of duty, uh, harmed, yeah. and, and then he has tragically passed away now? Yes, yes, so he passed away from two cancers and um, my two boys and I, we moved to Florida three years ago because it was always my husband's dream to come to Florida after he had had several accidents and buildings fall on him through the fire station because of um, the arthritis in his body. And he was, um, he would hurt a lot from the weather. So he really wanted to move to Florida and he never was able to. So the boys and I went ahead and moved to Florida and we went to the ceremony last December, um, December 17th, 2022, and met Frank, and he heard of our story, and he asked us to be the first first responder family in the Do Good Village. 
Incredible. So you, you are you are living out your husband's dream right now with the help of Tunnels and Towers. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. That's got to be a beautiful place to come home to then. I mean, in spite of the tragedy, right? Like this is what, what a, what a wonderful story. And, um, what a, what a remarkable thing to have happen for you and your boys, because that's gotta be the worst feeling on earth, right? To lose your spouse. It's, it's horrible. I, there were many days I wasn't sure how I would survive or the boys and I would survive. And, but I knew that, um, I knew Pat would would want us to keep continue going on, and I there's no way that I would have been able to do it without God's help. So yes. he, Pat used to say that um, every time he'd go to the fire station, that he was praying for more tomorrows, and but he was not scared of death whatsoever because he had actually had a building fall on him at one point and had passed away. And the doctors revived him, but while he had passed away, he saw heaven. He said, there's really gold streets, there's male angels, and he heard a deep voice that said, you're not finished yet, and he was pushed back here on earth. And so he would tell the kids and I, no matter what happens to us, that no matter what happens to him, that he just wanted the kids to grow up and do good. And now we get to be a part of the Do Good Village. <laughs> it's like a movie script. It's so beautiful and poetic and it's born of tragedy, but now you're living out an inspirational story. Uh, and that's just, it's just wonderful uh, in, in, in a way. I mean, it, it's remarkable how God turns tragedies uh, around and you're able to do good for others. And it seems like your husband always, it seems like your husband was spiritually right. You know, he's, he's seeing, seeing, seeing heaven. And that must be a great feeling for you. Um, to know that you'll meet again. Yes, it is. It, it really, a lot of times it's what keeps me going is now that I'll be able to spend eternity with him and have been and that I know yes. that he is safe and happy there and that he, um, he would want us to keep living every day to the best that we could, doing good for others, and that one day we'll get to spend eternity with him and that he would be so grateful and so thankful for Tunnel the Towers that they have um, allowed us to not not only given us a home, but to be able to be part of a do good village. He would he would just be so so grateful, just as we are. Your boys love it there. They are so excited. They absolutely love it there. We only live three minutes away from it, so we're able to go over almost every day and be a part of it and see it. And we cannot wait to move in. What was your experience like when you when you received news of the house? How did that happen? Okay, so we went to the ceremony, and then we went to um, they had the mobile um, semi truck museum in a cul de sac, and we went on the mobile museum, and I got a little emotional because I saw the firefighters dressed in their class A uniforms and mm. saw a firefighter buttons and I just I needed to I needed to go because I was pretty I was grieving and pretty emotional so I told the boys let's go it was also my youngest um, son's 11th birthday so we needed we were going to go celebrate his birthday and I turn around and I hear the Holy Spirit say decree and declare that land is yours right now and I just I did it I said okay and I we 
They took us back down to the end of the street in a golf cart. And then I did not know who Frank Sellers was until that day. And I heard him speak and I saw him eating lunch. And I said, I want to go up and thank him for everything that he does for first responders and military. And, but I don't want to bother him because he's eating lunch. And so my oldest son, who's 18, said, Mom, when are you ever going to meet him again? And I said, that's true. Let's go tell him thank you. So we went up to him and I said, Frank, I don't want you to stop eating. I just want to say thank you. My late husband was a firefighter. And he said, your late husband? And he got up and he was so genuine and he stopped eating and he hugged us and he wanted to know our story. And I told him that my husband had passed away two occupational cancers. And he said, you know that cancer is the number one killer for firefighters. And I said, I do. And he, I introduced him to the boys and he said, how would you like to be the next recipient in this village and the first first responder family in the village? And I was in shock. I, I was like, what, what do you, what are you saying? And he said, let's go see your new house. Let's, let's, I'll take you through. So he took us through, um, the first house that was built there and he showed the boys and I the house and. Um, the next day the process was started. So yeah, that is, that is literally how it happened. That is my story. God gave us a house in the Duke Good Village and how we met Frank. And um, I know my oldest son says that if there have been other people that have asked, um, who would you want at your welcome home party at your dedication? And my oldest son just cares that Frank is there. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, like it, it really is such a poetic and beautiful truism in the universe as to how God uses tragedy uh, to spring life and to spring goodness into the world. And, uh, and it seems like that, like this recurring thing that people who take charge and who have faith are able to turn these dark moments into something that is really just Un, just wonderful. And so be it that it is Thanksgiving and there are pe millions of families around the country sitting down and praying before their Thanksgiving meal. What is your message to them? Um, uh, and many of them are probably going through struggles and going through dark times right now. I would say definitely don't ever give up hope. And no matter what pain you're walking through, keep walking through it, keep having faith, keep looking to God, keep trusting him. He always comes through with his promises. He will not fail you. Even when it feels like it, it's in your darkest times, I promise it's going to get better. Just hold on. Keep praying. And it's. I promise miracles do happen. It's never too late for a miracle. Yes. It's never too late for a miracle. You looked at a home and you said a prayer and that home was yours. <laughs> it's beautiful, Jenny. It's such a wonderful, uplifting story. Thank you. Thank you. We thank yep. you and we thank you and we look forward to following your journey. We've obviously shown footage of your of, of you and the new the house that will be yours. We'd love to come back and visit when when that yes. beautiful home is finished. I would absolutely love to have you there. Yes. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a stunner. Thank you, Jenny. God bless you. Godspeed. Thank you. God bless you too. Thank Sort of sensing a trend here in the program where people use the darkness and the tragedy of terrible things that happen to them to find new inspiration to serve those around 
them. Joining the show now, a man who served his nation honorably for 26 years in the United States Army. A man who, after even a terrible accident left him paralyzed, continues to serve and didn't slow him down one little bit. Joining the program now, Captain David Christopher, U.S. Army veteran. Captain David Christopher, a U.S. Army veteran, joins us now. Happy Thanksgiving, David. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Uh, this is a uh, particular day where everyone is thankful for a lot of different things, but you were telling our producers you're thankful just to be here at all. Can you tell us your story? Absolutely. So I'm a, I was an Army captain serving out in California. I had 26 years of service total. And I was, uh, Thank you. you're welcome. Uh, I was riding my motorcycle with a friend and the day before I was supposed to go to South Korea for a deployment. And as I was going into a left-hand turn at 30 miles an hour, my front tire hit a pothole and it caused the front tire to, to, you know, kick out and, uh, laid the bike down. I slid on, um, broke my left leg, could feel that. And then somehow I went into the guardrail. And then from that point, I don't know what happened. And I came back. And when I did come back, I was uh, actually dead for seven minutes. Um, my buddy was there. He, he knew I was dead. He was crying and everything. And um, my head was hanging off of a cliff because in California, this area was kind of mountainous. And uh, when I came back, the first thing I thought of is that he was doing a, uh, had my legs in the air and it was like a wheelbarrow race. So I, I told him to put my legs down. He said, no, you're okay. You're, you're all right. And I immediately told him I'm paralyzed and I'm back to do good. And ever since then, I like, I have this, you know, sense of, I didn't see anything or anything like that. It was just like, I know that, you know, I've been, uh, too, another realm and have come back and have a purpose here to help out people and to try to do some good things and, and, and to live life, you know, to the fullest instead of just like taking things for granted. Yes. Okay. I have, I have to ask a few follow-up questions here. How did you know sure. you were dead for seven minutes? What, what happened? Uh, well, my buddy just kind of, um, you know, that's what he told me. He said, you were gone. You were not, you were motionless. Um, I mean, of course, I had my helmet on and everything, and I think he said he tried to check my pulse, and there was no pulse. Mm -hmm. And then, because, um, like I said, when he, I came back, he was he was crying and mm -hmm. uh, thought I was, you know, gone. And he had actually had a similar uh, motorcycle crash, not similar to mine, but he had a motorcycle crash years before that where it basically almost killed him. So it was very, honestly, it was very traumatic to him to see me in this condition because it brought a lot of memories back of his uh crash wow so what, what what did you experience was it just blackout what did you experience in this i just i just had like an overall like I didn't, experience. yeah i didn't see anything or feel i just it's all more about a feeling i just know god told me to slow down mm. and the only way he could get me to slow down was to create this accident and not to kill me completely but to slow me down and put me into a wheelchair what an incredible what an incredible theme to the show of like something that would otherwise be written off as a tragedy 
and a closed chapter in life, and it has caused people to live inspirational stories beyond measure. And this seems like it's the same thing that happened to you. You woke up and you said, I'm going to do good. Absolutely. I, and I mean, and uh, even, even to come out and say that I'm paralyzed and to say that those, those words, like, I mean, that's probably like the last thing that's on your mind at the time, you know, with pain or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just, it was a very unique set of words, you know, to be said at that moment to my buddy. So you've, not slowed down you're on a international you, you do international sports and competition uh still to this oh, yeah. day you're gonna be you're gonna be off bobsledding and bocce ball kentucky tell us about that yeah so about two years ago i decided uh i had a friend that was on the um doing bobsledding and he invited me to come up there and like try it out and i said well you know i'll try anything once so i went up there i uh did some runs and last year actually uh i was good enough to make the team so we went last year and did our season in um austria switzerland and norway and also in the united states at lake placid new york and i ended up ninth in the world doing bobsledding and this year we're going to norway and then to latvia and then next february the part of the season but they broke it up we go back to Switzerland, Norway, and then France to compete. So, uh, yeah, I've never stopped. I've always, like, in the very beginning, I've always felt like, you know, life is a challenge, not in a bad way. It, like, keeps us young, keeps us, you know, uh, vibrant, you know, just keeps us pushing for something greater than just existing, you know. I really wanted to just be living life to the fullest take don't take advantage of the situations that are handed to you you know you gotta just enjoy every moment and yes. everything is a learning you know a learning um situation you know if even if something bad happens it's like let's learn from this and let's try to make it better we'd have a different world if more people thought that way and if more people approached tragedy in their life in a, in, a, in a way of like seizing what good can come from it. You had something very good happen to you recently. You had your mortgage paid off by Tunnels to Towers. Can you talk us through this, this process? Yeah, so um, I had one friend that had uh, been hurt and I had heard about this village that they were doing over in uh, Land of Lakes, Florida, where they were building 96 homes for veterans and uh, first responders. And I've never been a person like, you know, try to like seek out, like taking, not taking advantage of, but just asking for something. Mm -hmm. So I put in a, a packet or just to say, hey, you know, maybe I need a few little things here and there to help me with my house because I get, I have a lot already from the VA had helped me build this house and made it uh, accessible because I live alone. Um, so everything I do in my house is, you know, I have to take care of it myself. Mm -hmm. And so I just applied and, you know, when they told me that they were gonna pay my mortgage off, I was just, I mean, my draw, jaw just dropped. And I was like, no way, like, uh, this can't be true. Like, 
And quite honestly, it was like I told uh, several of the people at Tunnel of Towers is that, you know, when I got out of the military, it was basically here's the boot. You know, even though I, I was hurt and on active duty, they retired me under a reserve uh, retirement. They um, didn't promote me in time. I came out on the promotion list like three weeks after I got kicked out. Um, I got no retirement award after 26 years, no ceremonies or anything. So 26 years of service, I guess, didn't mean anything to anybody. So this is the first time that honestly, I feel appreciated that, you know, for my service and, um, you know, I've, I've kind of just, you know, it's just been amazing. It just made me break down and cry because I also own a business where I do uh, holistic health and I, uh, all my veterans, first responders, they get 50% discount. Mm. So this also leads to uh, me being able to help more veterans and first responders with, you know, their pain, inflammation, because I have a cryo chamber, hyperbaric chamber, um, and, and several other things. So, um, anything's better than taking a pill and, and reverting to surgeries if you can. Yes. That's how the whole op opioid crisis was created, right? It, like it began yeah. with the VA and th these people are oh, yeah. complete, they're monsters. Yeah. The, I mean, well, when I first, yeah, like when I, when I first got injured, I could not believe it. They gave me, I was on in the hospital. They gave me oxycodone, oxycodone, gamma pentin, and all of those are narcotics and they upped yeah. them. And like, literally I couldn't even see anybody in front of me. And I was such a zombie and I refused to take any more of those medicines like in the first couple of weeks. Um, and in fact, there was another medication I was taking uh, for spasms called baclofen. I quit taking it and, uh, you know, my level of injury got better. I'm actually able to do leg presses now um, using my legs a little bit. So, you know, I'm 10 years post accident, but I'm still every day I go to the gym, I, I work out. You know, I'm always trying to continue to improve my situation. You know, I'm not just going to be as when I first got injured, there was a gentleman that was I first gentleman I met. He was an older gentleman, but he told me the first thing he told me, he said, make sure they give you the right colostomy bag. And I was like, I'm not getting one of those. You know, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, that's not my mentality. I'm not going to try to just roll over and ask for more drugs or or a powered wheelchair or somebody to push me or do whatever, you know, I, I want to be able to be independent and fend for myself, man. So that's kind of the way I've always looked at life and always try to do things. And from the very beginning, when I was in California, um, I had a, uh, like a C collar that I had to wear for nine months and I couldn't drive. So everywhere I had to go, I had to push. So I would push like, a mile or two to go to work out at a gym and then push a mile or two home. Um, I mean, I took public transportation every now and then, but you know, I was kind of, you know, it was like, I wasn't going to just sit around and lay in bed. I was going to yes. get out and not, you know, take advantage of this life that we've been given and enjoy yes. it. And now you're an internationally ranked bobsled champ yeah. representing your country what what a what a beautiful what an absolutely beautiful story today is thanksgiving there are millions of families sitting down praying before they eat dinner together and some of them are going through tough times most of them are going through tough times dark times what what is your advice what is your message to those people just never give up always keep striving for something better 
Um, things can look bad, but if you continue to look at things that are bad, you're gonna, it's just gonna continue to get worse. Um, I kind of equate it to like, you know, like they say, a pile of poop. <laughs> if you put a pile of poop here and you take another pile of poop and you put it on top, you pull it, you know, before you know it, you're under poop. You know, you're completely I, drowning in it. I have, so, three, I have three little kids, so I know that, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a metaphor I get. <laughs> right. So yeah. the whole, the whole analogy is just like, you can look at things and be depressed about everything. But if you, if you have that depression, then you think of another thing that depresses you and another thing and another thing. And you just keep piling on this negativity and that negativity will completely destroy you. So you've got to learn how to find a light and enjoy. I say just get outside. Like too many people are on their cell phones. Too many people are staying inside watching TV. Go out into nature. Enjoy what you know, what God has given us here and uh, and what we can do with it. You know, yes. we're not here just to be stagnant and, and not live our lives. I mean, like God wants us to live our lives and experience what it has to offer. I mean, that's, you know, that's the reason we're here. Yes. I'm going to think about that. David, you are an inspiration to me. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to do good. When I'm feeling down, I'm going yeah. to do good. Like what a what a remarkable thing. What a what a message from the great beyond. What a spiritual message. Absolutely. It seems like you've you've taken it all to heart and now you've put good out into the universe and you're getting it back tenfold. It's a beautiful thing to see. We'll be cheering you on, man. We're gonna follow yeah. the bobsled team. Uh I God, it. yeah. Godspeed, David. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Have a great day. So many people on the program this week fighting the good fight. Some are fighting in the halls of Congress, even after their service. Representative Corey Mills, U.S. Combat Army veteran, representing the great state of Florida, is one of those members of Congress who served his nation honorably and who continues the fight today in the halls of Congress. Joining the program now, Congressman Corey Mills. Congressman, thank you so much for being on the program, an inspirational program. You yourself are an Army combat veteran, and now you're taking the fight to the Beltway. How's that going? Well, it's really an interesting concept when you think about how in the military you work towards a single purpose mission objective. And, you know, you're really trying to do that and achieve that for your teammates and to, to basically achieve the overarching goals. You know, in Congress, usually you have your fire team that works together in the military, but in Congress, you actually have people within your own party who works against your endeavors and then against the actual mission itself. So it's almost like a green on blue type scenario at times in Congress. And, you know, it's more talk than it is action. And that's why, you know, for me, it's a big adjustment period. But rather than me try to conform to the way they handle things, they need to conform to the way we deal with things, which is being an action based, you know, outcome based type of leadership. And that's what we're really looking forward. So. Um, it's an adjustment period, but you know what? I'm not there to conform. They can conform to the way it's supposed to be, which is representing the people. Yeah, representing the people would be fighting for freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, uh, freedom of thought. And those things are under attack, quite evidently. A breaking story uh, from just hours ago, a military base in North Dakota, the commanders are on the record saying, you're not allowed to go to a turning point action event? Uh, you, you've sounded off on this immediately. Can you, can you talk me through what's going on here? 
Yeah, basically the bottom line that they're trying to do is they're trying to limit their ability to go into a Patriot rally, to go listen to very motivated people. We know what Charlie Kirk and Tyler Bowen's been doing. Uh, they, they've been continuing to try and, you know, sound the alarm, bring back what it is to be a constitutional principled conservative, but also just what it is to be an American, what it is to be a patriot. I mean, look, that's how we became the great constitutional republic that we are today is because of patriots who are willing to basically rally together to go against this, you know, kind of oppression that was basically going on. So now you've got command who is threatening their actual airmen that if you go to these, there's going to be some type of a retaliatory you know, kind of career ending thing that's going to occur. You know, think about the irony here, Benny, the very people who who swore an oath and are wearing a uniform to protect the freedoms, liberties and rights of other Americans are in itself being denied the very things that they are actually fighting for. And so this absolutely just enraged me. I'm tired of this woke ideology, this leftist mindset of our military. That's why as a member of the Armed Services Committee, and I sit on the subcommittee of military personnel and the subcommittee of intelligence special operations, my goal was to rid it of DEI. And I passed over 20 plus amendments within the National Defense Authorization Act that rids our actual armed forces of DEI, stops this indoctrination, and allows our actual members to serve our country, not serve a political agenda, regardless of who's in the White House. And so I talked to our subcommittee chairman, Jim Banks, of the military personnel. We are going, working on it right now to request uh, a subpoena and a, a military inquiry into what was actually being done. And we will pull them before our committee and let them testify and answer because we need real accountability. We need to be protecting our men and women in uniform. So you're telling me that the United States military, which is the, the largest employer in America, uh, that the United States government is the largest employer in America, that, that they are saying that to their employees, you're not allowed to go to a political rally and we will harm your career if you do. That's exactly right. And meanwhile, there's no retaliatory manner. There's no threats when you've got people who are doing TikTok videos in their uniform transitioning into drag, you know, yes. that's all been accepted. But yet a person who wants to go to a Patriot rally on their own time, on their off duty time, which is not owned and controlled by their command, they're being told if they do this, it could be a career ending move. That's unacceptable. I won't tolerate it. And I can tell you right now that Congressman Matt Gates, uh, Eli Crane, Jim Banks, and all of us who, you know, really either sit on this committee or had served, we will not sit by idly. Anna Paulina Luna just text her. I'm putting together a letter right now from my military legislative affairs guy. He's going to basically have that passed around to members to sign. But we will get answers from the Air Force secretary, from the secretary of defense, who I've already issued impeachment articles against, and also from the command who's actually trying to prevent the right to assembly, the right for freedom of speech, but also their right to choose their political affiliation and how they vote. I mean, this is a bigger thing that I look at almost to be an election and, and integrity thing. Yes. So there are rules, right? Are you not allowed to go as a uniformed active duty service member to political rallies? What can you tell me? Like, what are the rules? Well, I, can you educate I've us? I've seen where there's active duty members who go to political rallies and things like this in uniform. You know, when I was in the military, you couldn't even get on an airplane in a military uniform. You know, the idea was to prevent yourself from being targeted in any way. But even having said that, if the command would have said, hey, look, Go feel free to go to any of these rallies or any of these gatherings or any of these assemblies that you'd like to just don't wear your uniform. That's a totally different thing. Now you're saying, oh, well, I'm doing this in case, you know, 
there is additional threats or there is additional reports of retaliate, uh, retaliation against military service members, okay, fine. But this is happening outside of a military base where they could have basically have handled this completely differently. But the idea that you're going to threaten retaliation or try and end their career because they want to go something called the Patriot Rally, that's just completely unacceptable. Yeah, that's happening outside of a military base. The Turning Point Action Rally isn't on the military base, but drag queen story hours are on military bases. That's exactly what right. And the hell, bro? has gone after this time and time yeah. again. They tried to deny it. And I'll tell you, they didn't go so far as to in one of the actual rallies that was, or not rallies, but but uh, drag shows, the, the drag hour, as you said, they were utilizing a flyer that had the DSN number, which is actually a military number that you could call to get more information. So this is the type of thing you're, we're really seeing and living in the times where Biden administration and the leftists, the radical woke leftists, understand that they have to weaken us militarily, diplomatically, and economically. They're doing that economically by completely eliminating our ability to provide energy. They're doing that through their rapid inflation. They're doing it through diplomatic because we look like clowns on the world stage when you've got Joe Biden bumbling up there looking for his next ice cream or child to smell. And now you've got it where we're actually doing it in our military where we've got 33,000 recruitment deficit right now. Think about that for a moment. That is over three military divisions that we are in a deficit of recruitment. So when you look at this, this is just adding to that because you've got a lot of people who are telling their kids, you know what, I don't want you serving in our military anymore when their focus is on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it's drag time story hour, but yet you can't be free to go ahead and be a conservative. You're scared of being retaliated against, or you're not going to make your next promotion because of who you're political affiliated with. I mean, this is the type of thing that we have to break right now. This is that, that communist socialist manifesto of trying to weaken our military to think singularly to where they only support, you know, the, the, current regime as opposed to what they're supposed to do which is serve your commander-in-chief look i served in our united states military under democrat and republican presidents it didn't matter to me this is our commander-in-chief and if they didn't ask for anything that was unlawful or denied me my constitutional rights and liberties i was willing to carry out my duties as a member of the armed forces we have to get back to that ideology of service first not party or not political agenda first we have to go back to what it was originally intended for. And unfortunately, they're trying to deteriorate that at a rapid manner, Benny. I want to talk about the recruitment deficit in just a moment, but I want to pin one thing real quickly. Are you going to be asking Charlie Kirk or any Turning Point uh, representative to testify as well? Absolutely. I want Charlie Kirk to come and sit with these members who probably knows more about the Constitution than the commander that was sitting in this, at, you know, made this call. And I want them to justify their positioning. And I want it to go back and be on record. Look, when Charlie Kirk had created this entire movement, the idea was just to help these indoctrinated universities to understand not only what the civic rights are and civic duties of each individual, but educate them on why this woke ideology they're being indoctrinated with was incorrect. Now you have the same thing where they're trying to do this, continue to spread the word, and it's now being you know utilized and attacked and, and kind of you know the, the, the liberals, if you will, are now going after it from our military perspective. So yeah, I'm looking to have someone who is representative of Turning Point Action, Turning Point USA, to sit on this exact committee hearing so that we can hear both sides. But I want these commanders to be held responsible and accountable for their denial of a person's individual rights to go out and go to any rally that they want. Look, 
they, they're going to try and spin this. And I've already heard this. They're acting as if Turning Point USA or Turning Point Rally or any conservative rally is somehow this white supremacist group. But yet, why don't they look at the polls where actually more minorities are swinging to the Republican Party and to conservatism than ever before? This isn't about some white supremacist movement or some protection from attacks of our, our armed forces. This is actually them trying to provide and provoke a woke ideology and deny members their right to, to choose who they actually want to support. Because you have members of the service right now, Benny, who wouldn't openly come out and say, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because they're going to be scared that there's going to be some type of retaliation against them. They fight and risk their lives to make sure we have the right to vote and to live in a constitutional republic. And meanwhile, they're being feared into and actually retaliated against when they actually uphold the rights that are given to them. This is just wrong on every level. So it's been a very inspirational show talking about obviously the great service of veterans and military members across the country, but it does seem relatively fraudulent. And let me explain myself. The the gambit here for military members, because you're told to fight for democracy, yet you see that we run effectively like a banana republic with rigged elections here at home. You're told that we're fighting for freedom of speech, uh, yet you're told what political parties you can support, and you'll be punished if you support the wrong politics. And we're told we're for freedom of all people and basic human rights, but it seems like everything in the military is against white men, <laughs> like now, and against bodily autonomy, and actually the creation of a different type of slave state where your body doesn't belong to you, where you have no rights. And if you don't take the injections you're told to take, then you get kicked out. Then they'll come well, after you. But they're not even and, kicking and, you out for not taking the injection. What they're claiming is, is that you're being insubordinate to your military leadership's command. They're not saying like, oh, we're kicking you out for refusing the vaccine. Oh, we're kicking you out because you didn't do as you were told by command. So they're playing on this in a way that would actually allow them to utilize the Uniform Code of Military Justice to penalize those individuals who may have a medical or religious reasoning and be exempt from taking the shot. And I was in a committee hearing where I grilled Undersecretary of Readiness and Military for uh, Cisneros on the fact that these medical exemption forms or these religious exemption forms that you fill out, that's supposed to be reviewed by command, reviewed by the medical offices, reviewed by JAG and determined. I work for the federal government. I know how inept we are when it comes to utilizing time effectively. They're trying to say that they were able to do this within 12 minutes. That is nonsense. What they're doing is, is they're saying, hey, thanks for applying. Either get it or we're kicking you out. And so we called them out for this. And that's where I basically brought them to task to say, you as the military need to allow every member who was wrongfully and unconstitutionally purged from our military because they wouldn't take the vaccine, which really what that means is that they wouldn't be sheep for this administration, this regime, and we're going to kick you out for it. They need to be allowed back in. They need full back pay, and they need nice. to be able to serve our country the way they intended, not this administration or this agenda. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, it, there's been like sort of a through line on the show here where it's like there's a deep corrupting force. And we were talking with Frank Seller about the home, number Amazing of homeless man. veterans, 50,000 homeless veterans, and he's he's the one out building apartments for them. He's the one out but trying yeah, to get them off the street. Illegals. We can give illegals yeah. free cell phones, free medical care, all the different things, a new house, say, you know, whatever. But yet our military members, people who served our country, who is willing to die for our country is being put as second rate citizens. Yep. Nonsense. Yep. 
Yeah, it is nonsense. Uh, the members of the military who we spoke with and the uh, widows and wives that we spoke with uh, were living inside of Florida in a community that was built uh, for veterans. And it's like just an awesome story. Amazing. You're a Amazing. you're a veteran from Florida. You represent Florida. It's huge veteran population here. Yes. Um, you, we, well, people don't know this, but Florida actually has the most military installation and bases of any other state in the entire country. Really? I mean, we're a huge military community. And look, let, let me just also say, you know, to everyone that is serving in the military, whether you're here or whether you're abroad, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Mm. You know, we are not a free and safe and prosperous nation if it's not for those of you who are willing to put on that uniform. And so we need to think about not just being thankful for what we have here at home, but be thankful for those who are still deployed and who are overseas right now in harm's way. Be thankful for the fact that their service allows us to have the same freedoms, liberties, and rights that they sometimes are being denied, but we're going to change that. And so I want to thank yes. every one of our military members and all of the of those who wore the uniform. So I'm grateful for your continued service and commitment. Yes, what a wonderful message and sort of puts a bow on a thing that Frank said earlier in the show, which is we wish we had more service members serving in government. That's what he said. He wish there were more veterans. There was a, we'd have a, I asked, how can we get a better military? And he's yeah, like, we'll have well, more people. We, we have to stop the wokeness, Benny. I mean, yeah. 33,000 people short in our recruitment deficit is growing because of this woke ideology where people are being told by their parents, you know, I don't want you serving in today's military. It was different when I was in. Yes. Yeah. And so we really have to return to being able to be, look, we're the greatest, strongest volunteer force in the world. But the only way that we maintain that is if we maintain what we've always been, which is not the prioritization of diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's about military readiness, more lethality, and being cohesion, having the cohesion as a military force. That's what we need to be prioritizing and being focused on is that readiness, not on the wokeness. Man, uh, you know, if you serve people who hate you and you're forced to do that, then you're a slave. And that's yeah. that the definition of slavery. So don't serve people and don't sign up to serve people who hate you. And hopefully we get more members of Congress like yourself in there that can fix this mess. Well, we're, we're starting to work that way, Benny. And just to give you a statistic, I mean, tw before 2022, only 17% of the entire U.S. Congress was military veterans. We had one of the largest veteran intakes on this 2022 cycle where you've got great America first constitutionalist conservatives, you know, faith-based individuals like Eli Crane, like uh, Morgan Luttrell, I mean, Wesley Hunt, uh, you know, we, we're, we really had a great freshman class and that's why we're continuing to fight against this and return our country back to the constitutional republic that it was intended to be, which is about we the people. Yeah, maybe we'd have less uh, planes overshooting the runway and landing oh. in the ocean if, uh, if we had more. Competent leadership. Don't serve people who hate you. Yeah, that's a great rule in life. Uh, Congressman, thank you so much. Godspeed. You, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being a great patriot. Thanksgiving. Well, in our own humble way, we wish to say Happy Thanksgiving. The best that we can do here at In the Arena on Tenet as storytellers is to give you some inspirational stories. And that is what we set out to do here on our Thanksgiving episode. God bless you. This is the greatest country on earth. Remain in the arena. Stay in the fight. Let's go save America. It's your boy, Benny. This is in the arena. See ya.